Hi, everyone. This is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening. Yeah, welcome back to another episode of Fantasy Football with Gumbo. My name is Ja. Hey, it's Google over here. Appreciate y'all tapping in with your head tops. What's going on, folks? We got another week. We're getting, I think we're about two, two and a half, three weeks away from the draft. Just about three weeks, I believe, from this Friday. And then, yeah, dude, it's going to be like the end of the month in April. That's when we're going to be having these first round drafts that Thursday. It's going to be popping, dude. It's It's going to be down in, bro, it's going to be down in Kansas City. I wish I was down there, dude. I have family down there. I should be down there. Goddamn. Damn, dude. I'm I'm pumped for it, though. I'm excited. I'm excited to see who the Packers take. You know, I'm excited to see who the Ravens take after they picked up OBJ this, uh, just, uh, what, Sunday? Mm-hmm. That's crazy, dude. I, you know, if you would have put that on some sort of, like, odds of where he was going to land, I would not have put it on I don't Baltimore. Think I, I wouldn't have bet on the Ravens either. Like, that's just crazy. But, like, they gave that man a bag. Yeah. They gave that guy 15 mil guaranteed. They did. That's, that's crazy, dude. Like, I am just... Beyond, like, good for him for getting a bag. I mean, that guy didn't play for a whole year. Comes mm. back. He's been talking to his buddy, uh, Lamar Jackson, and then somehow gets 15 mil. Like, yeah. I mean, hopefully, I mean, if you're a Baltimore Ravens fan, like, hopefully, like, this is a sign of good things to come because, obviously, mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson was in on these negotiations with OBJ. Which so, yeah, gives you that indication that he might be interested in staying, which... Yeah, I mean, it would be ideal, especially if you're Baltimore. Well, I mean, the sources say that OBJ and Lamar Jackson hit up the club that same night after they, <laughs> after OBJ like was reportedly signing with Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Like, so like that has to give you all the warm fuzzy feels as yeah. a Baltimore Ravens fan, and I would say even like as like a Lamar Jackson holder, like to have like another receiver out there that mm-hmm. can catch the ball for you, and I mean, is actually a target. Yeah, I mean like. Obviously, his rushing upside's unreal, Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he's actually able to throw it to someone who's able to catch touchdowns outside of uh, Rashad Bateman and uh, Mark Andrews, like, that's crazy, dude. Like, yeah. I'm excited to see what OBJ is able to do for this team. So, right now, as it stands, uh, the Ravens receivers are OBJ. They have Rashad Bateman. They have Mark Andrews. Uh, who's Dynasty, a tight end, by the way? Who's a tight end? Uh, you have Dynasty gem Isaiah Likely, who's projected to kind of fit into that offense over the next few years. Uh, but Odell probably steps into like a wide receiver two-ish role. Uh, ideally, I guess you would hope that your first-round pick in Rashad Bateman would kind of hold down that X. And when it comes to fantasy value for Odell, I don't think I really changed too much. I don't think I really 
I don't know. I don't look at Odell as like a top twenty-five, or top thirty guy. I mean, like if you if you're an OBJ holder and you're like, I don't know, like going into like this whole you know like situation of this off season where like he's projected to go where to the Cowboys to the Jets with Aaron Rodgers possibly, and then he ends up with Baltimore. Honestly, I feel like I'm probably gonna be a little bit butt hurt. I mean, like, just the fact that, like, well, bro, like, if you look at both of those teams, like, if you have, like, a Cowboys offense who's extremely, like, gun-hole heavy with uh, shooting the ball down the field, or if you have the Jets with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, if you look at it, bro, like, Aaron Rodgers is literally the best thrower of the football. If you have OBJ on that team, think of the amount of crazy catches that they they would be able to establish and be able to put in their repertoire. So I just feel like there's a lot of things that, like, as an OBJ holder, I'm like, yo, like, that's cool. Like, he's going to the Ravens, and he'll probably still have good value. But, like, if I'm looking at it from, like, the outside, like, as, like, he probably would be a lot more valuable, like, on the Jets. Like, yeah, like, they have a lot of players on that team already. But if you're looking at it from the sense of, you know, who is Rodgers going to be ultimately more connected with, like, in – the short yardage situations, touchdown situations where they're in the red zone, I feel like I would give the advantage to OBJ over, uh, you know, like a Garrett Wilson. Uh, if, if I'm going to keep it a buck, obviously he has uh, Alan Lazard there as well, but I feel like OBJ would probably be his go-to. I yeah. mean, that's just me outside looking at my analysis of it. Nonetheless, though, I mean, I still feel like him being one of the top two wide receivers on the Ravens isn't going to be a bad situation either. Well, here's the thing with Odell Beckham Jr., and obviously we'll move on to the rest of the episode after. Uh, But with OBJ, I mean, you look at the offense that he's going to be a part of, and he's going to be catching passes ideally if all goes well. And if, you know, contracts get signed, uh, he'll be catching passes from Lamar Jackson. Well, dude, I feel like with the signing, it's almost everything but done. Mm-hmm. Like they're probably just figuring out the last details because I'm, I'm sorry, but if you're signing one of Lamar boys, like one of his role models growing up, I feel like who's going to be walking in the door right next to OBJ? It's going to be Lamar. Yeah. So with Lamar, I mean, you look at some of his uh, last couple of years in terms of his passing statistics. The knock on Lamar has always been that he's not going to, you know, help his receivers go crazy outside of maybe Mark Andrews. In 2022, he played 12 games, so injuries have kind of been a concern. Uh, But the last year that he played at least 15 games was 2020, and he completed 242 passes. Wow. So when you look at attempts last year or from that 2020 year, I mean, Lamar had around 386-ish attempts. For reference, in that same year, Kyler Murray, who also kind of gets labeled as like a rushing quarterback, in 2020, he had 558 attempts. So somewhere, you know, around 200 more passing attempts than Lamar Jackson. So Odell Beckham Jr. going to the Ravens. I mean, yeah, that's cool. He might get more opportunity than he would on like a Jets or like the Cardinals or a team like that. Mm. But even if he gets a 20% target share, which is... You know, pretty nice, pretty cool. Right. Uh, 20% of, what is it, like 230 pass completions. Well, I, I also think it's going to be a completely different offense this year as well. You would because, hope so. Well, they're bringing in a new offensive coordinator who allegedly, and I'm not sure if this is true or not at all, but allegedly John Harbaugh said that Lamar was going to have a hand in picking in the offensive coordinator. 
Mm-hmm. So if I think that he has some sort of comfortability with this guy, mm-hmm. I think that I'm going to assume that he knows what Lamar wants to do. And when you look at what the Georgia Bulldogs did, all right, because this is the Georgia Bulldogs offensive coordinator from last year, they did throw the ball a decent amount. You know, like they also had some really good rushers as well on that offense. Uh, you know, like a Kenny McIntosh, who we might talk about later. We might not. Depends on if, what we have time for. Mm-hmm. You know, like they, they have people who can run the ball on that team as well. Obviously, Stenson Bennett, completely different athlete. So that might have to be addressed. But obviously, they know what's going on. And so I know that they're going to be able to utilize Lamar Jackson. Otherwise, they wouldn't have brought this cat in. Yeah. So I give them the benefit of the doubt of having a good scheme going on. And this addition of OBJ is going to be a good one. And I think they're going to be throwing the ball probably around, like, I would say probably at least 100 more times. So if he was throwing it, what, you said like 276 or whatever? 240-ish pass completions. Completions, okay. So that's what I was saying earlier. Like, if OBJ gets a 20% target share or whatever, that's only like fucking 50 catches. Well, I mean, at the same time as well, like I said, I think it's going to be ramped up a little bit more. Yeah. Like, I think you could expect to see at least over an 18-game season at least another 100 passes thrown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't say that's all the, what Jai would say, realm of possibilities. That was dank. Yo, so let's move on to these rookies, though, because I really want to get on to these sleepers. These guys have me pretty excited. Some of them more than others. Uh, but, Holy yo, shit, these guys are pretty dank. And I think that, <laughs> you know, like we said, they aren't getting as much credit as they should be. Yeah. But if you tell me that, like, a guy like Cedric Tillman, yep. uh, he's a wide receiver from Tennessee opposite of Jalen Hyatt. Mm-hmm. If you're telling me that this guy shouldn't be a second-round draft pick in the NFL draft, let alone that he doesn't have the ability to be a possibility for the second round for the rookie draft if you're in a 10-team dynasty league, I kind of think you're almost out of your mind, if if I'm going to keep it a buck with you. Because this guy, if you looked at what he had done the year before, if you didn't think that he didn't have a special team and would have had an opportunity to win a national championship, yeah. I bet he probably would have went into the draft. And with the year that he had as a senior, sure, he came back as a uh, super senior, I believe. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. that senior year that he had was special. Yeah. And so I just feel like, you know, especially from, uh, you know, we were watching film uh, leading up to this. Mm-hmm. And one of the definitions that they said about Cedric Tillman playing almost like a power forward, that really spoke volumes to me because that's exactly yeah. what he does because he blocks out his mm-hmm. defenders because he's 6'3 yeah. compared to these other guys who are six foot or 5'11", 5'10". Mm-hmm. I mean, yo, like this guy is a legit athlete, and he can run a 4'5". I believe that's what he ran at the Combine. So I feel like this guy has all the attributes to be a true X. I really do. I don't know, man. I might be crazy, but I think Cedric Tillman should be in the conversation for definitely a second-round NFL draft value. Mm-hmm. And we should be talking about him in dynasty drafts as well, being in the second. If not, you know, if a motherfucker gets crazy, even in the first round. I mean, this guy could be special depending on his landing spot. Yeah, I mean, Cedric Tillman's a really interesting prospect for me. 
And so for the rest of this episode, what we, me and Duga want to focus on is we want to give you guys these sleeper rookie picks. We want to go ahead and cover the receivers and the running backs that maybe we have not given as much attention to uh, in these past few weeks. Once again, Cedric Tillman is one of the guys we want to talk about. And, I mean, his metrics kind of jump off the page when you look at it. Y'all know I'm a metric guy. Uh, so Cedric Tillman comes in at 6'3". He's 213 pounds. Like my guy Dugo said, he runs a 4-5-40. His pass catching is actually pretty damn good. He catches with his hands. I believe he caught somewhere around 85% of his uh, catches or his targets last year. Well, you want to know what I love more about this Cedric Tillman guy? Mm-hmm. It's what I... So, when I think about what we both like, you really like the metrics. I like what I see on film. For sure. And the fact that it translates on both, I feel like is great about it's this elite. guy. It's elite. That's what you need to see from a receiver. So, I don't know, man. Like, obviously, he was overshadowed by Jalen Hyatt, who ended up winning the Blantikoff this year, who is the national or the... Uh, nation's top receiver. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy was special still. Like, he still had catches in primetime games. This guy still played Alabama. This guy still played Georgia and played yeah. at an elite level. Jalen Hyatt was always just that step above because he was able to get that breakaway in us. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he was just that guy this year. And, yeah. you know, nothing to take away from Cedric. I mean, I think that this guy is going to be elite. Yeah. I mean, think about the year when... Uh, Ole Miss had DK and AJ Brown come out in the same draft. Mm-hmm. I think Two that this is. Receivers, yeah. I think that this is almost going to be up to that standard. Really, you're calling this DJ and AJ? I think that it could have the possibility to be. I mean, you're telling me that one of them's a Blenikoff winner and the other guy, shit. I mean, if the nation didn't have also Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, all those other guys in the mix, yeah. he probably could have been in the Blenikoff for uh, his senior year. Cedric Tillman. I mean, he was just a beast that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a dog. And, like, if you guys have been watching the show, if you've been listening faithfully, um, if you've been following us since the get-go, you know that when it comes to draft and when it comes to, like, NCAA prospects, when it comes to college scouting, like, Dugo's your guy. Yeah. Right? Like, he's the guy who actually sits down on Saturdays and watches these games. I'm the motherfucker who comes in. I look at the scouting. I look at the film afterwards. I give you my thought process on a lot of these people. And, you know, we kind of meet somewhere in the middle. Uh, but with Sector Tillman, he really did have some impressive tape last year. He did, man. He was opposite, obviously, um, of a Jalen Hyatt. He was catching passes from Hendon Hooker, who many have as you know potentially being maybe a late first-round quarterback. Mm-hmm. So he's catching balls from NFL quarterbacks. He is opposite of an NFL receiver. So when you compare that to many college receivers, I mean, the guy had a lot of help mm-hmm. you know, on his respective team. And, you know, those metrics really jump out. If he compares to any current NFL player, I think that he's the closest T. Higgins comparison in this draft class. Uh, Once again, 6'3". Once again, he's 213. He has a great vertical, an elite vertical. 37 inches uh, was his vertical. And anything above around 37 inches is, at least as I categorize it, elite uh, amongst receivers. He has a great BMI for receivers. Obviously, we know the BMI is going to be a little lesser than it is for running backs. 30.0 is that golden point for running backs. But for receivers, it's closer to 27. They're just, you know, lighter in frame typically. Typically. And, I mean, I got Cedric Tillman hits all of these marks right on the fucking nose. Right. Like, the guy played for a great program. He was productive. And the receivers who are projected to go ahead of him in the rookie draft are guys like... JSN, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnston, 
Zay Flowers, Jalen Hyatt, a Blitnikoff winner, and Josh Downs, one of the most you know revered slot receivers coming out of this draft. Right. Tillman is the wide receiver seven after all those guys who are all you know uh, kind of like the crumb de la crumb of the class. Right. And I mean, given I mean this, we keep saying it in this draft, but it's literally the pick of your flavor. And I mean, when you get to like those second and third tier guys, it's literally it whatever you would honestly want because you do have the elite slot guys with I mean Josh Downs I'd probably put in that second tier. I would also put Rashid Rice. I would probably put obviously I would put uh Cedric Tillman. But I mean on any given day, like depending on who is you know, who Cedric is playing, I could honestly put him as a tier one. If he's going against a cornerback who might be a little shorter than him. Just because I believe that he has the ability to jump up and get a ball compared to some of these shorter DBs. In terms of fantasy upside, do you have Cedric Tillman as a wide receiver one, a wide receiver two, a wide receiver three, or below that? Well, I mean, end of the day, if if you're looking for a safety net, I think that this is the guy. I think that he probably has one of the higher floors. If I'm gonna be real, as long as far as like some of these like lower wide receivers, I would say he probably has some of the, of the highest floor. I'm not saying he has any of the lo- uh, lower ceiling either, because I do think that he has some great upside. He has games with multiple touchdowns in his past. He's shown that he can be a unit. If I play in a ten team league, mm-hmm. at his ceiling, is he a wide receiver one, two, three, or? further than that. I, I would have to say a two. I mean, if you're looking for a guarantee, I would have to say a two. So maybe I, somewhere between 10 and 20, wide receiver 10 and 20? Around there, yeah. I think that, that could that's going to be a safety net for years to come. I see him, I mean, probably a little less than uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Type. Really? Wow, okay. Less, obviously. Like, maybe mm. I your, your T. Higgins vibe is honestly pretty accurate, I think. Yeah. At least once he starts to hit his peak, for sure. Mm-hmm. I could see him going to a situation, and if he got a lot of target volume, uh-huh. I think that's possible. Like, if he goes to the Giants. What if he ends up being like a like a Cortland Sutton, though? What, what's your vibe on that? Would you still be happy with that pick? Well, like I if said. If you get him in, like, the second or third? He's going in the third round of 10-team rookie drafts. Yeah, but, like, let's say, like, you're hot on a motherfucker, and, like, you have, like, the 2-8, and you pick this guy. Are you mad about it? I'm not mad about it. But I would probably... Okay, like, without the ACL tear. Let's say that. Without the ACL tear. Regardless of the ACL tear, just looking at what he did on film, like, I would preferably like to trade down into the early third and maybe see if I can grab him. Okay. In a 10-team league. So you're talking about him being pick, you know, 22, 23, ideally in my eyes. But if I have to take him as the 18th guy off the board, it's a little risky just because there are, I think, at least probably around seven to nine serviceable running backs in this class. Right. You have your top five or six wide receivers and then you have Bryce Young and CJ Stroud and potentially a rich. So now you're looking at around 18 ish players that are damn near certified. Mm -hmm. And then Cedric Tillman, in my opinion, like I like the guy, I don't know if I have him as a wide receiver too. He's probably a low end wide receiver three ish for me, maybe high end wide receiver four. Okay. Uh, If he goes somewhere in which he can get consistent targets and volume, Uh then obviously that helps a lot. Um, But I just don't see, I don't think talent-wise, or even as a prospect, he's better than all but 15 guys. Okay. You know. Well, let me ask you about this guy, because I feel like he's been getting a little bit more steam lately. Okay. But Jonathan Mingo, another wide receiver from the dog. SEC. He's a dog. 
You think he's a dog? I he's think so dog. too, man. Yo, like when we first were starting to watch film about this guy, you know, like study film, like I've watched this guy in games and I loved hearing his name because he's such Don a Domingo. beast. But honestly, like when I first started like watching this guy just as a prospect, mm-hmm. I saw that this guy has the ability to be like an AJ Brown type beat. Yo, if you look at what motherfuckers are saying on, you know, like NFL uh, Rookie Watch, that's exactly who they've been comparing them to. Yep. And honestly, I think it's on point. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you're able to get this guy at the value that he's going right now in these rookie drafts, mm-hmm. around like the second, third, even possibly fourth in some drafts compared to how much these guys are sleeping on this guy, mm-hmm. I, this guy is tremendous value. And so if I'm you guys out there, I'm trying to sleep on this guy as much as I can so I can grab him in the third, in the fourth, wherever this guy might fall if you guys are drafting before the NFL rookie draft because I think this guy is going to come off day two capital, which is going to make him just rise up. And you might yeah. be able to get off him a little early and maybe get a second or and a third next year and if you try to flip him right away. Who knows? I love Jonathan Mingo. What's your thoughts, Jahaya? He's a great contested catch guy. He's someone that I think does a pretty decent job getting off the line of scrimmage. Tell me about where he ranked on your matrix. Like, was he a top guy? What was his 40? Tell me about him. Jonathan Mingo came in at 6'2". He was 220 pounds. He ran a 4'4", 640. 4'4", 6'. Okay, uh, so that's good. A receiver who's 6'2 and 220 is fucking big. He's a big dude. Yeah. Like, he is running through the ball. Uh, he's running through defenders. When you look at his actual performance in college, I mean, that's what he did best. Yards after the catch. Yep. Um, he was catching the ball. You give him the ball on hot routes. You give him the ball on just, you know, quick digs, things like that. And then he takes it and... He just runs through people. Now, a lot of the knock on Jonathan Mingo has been that he doesn't have that downfield speed. Okay. Right? He's not, like, impressively fast. I know I just said he ran a four four six forty. But you're telling me he doesn't max out anywhere. Like he... on, on film, it doesn't look like that, okay. I guess. Um, so he's essentially someone that you would hope to be utilized as a guy that, uh, you know, teams would quickly get the ball to, you know, put him in situations to pick up yards after the catch. Yeah. There has been concerns that he doesn't get, like, separated from defensive backs, especially vertically. Uh, so if he was to play, like, a X role, the role that typically is the one to go vertical or stretch the field. Right. Um, how, you know, impactful can he be? I think that he's really underrated. I truly believe that he has the upside to be a top five receiver from this class. I think that Jonathan Mingo's a guy that is ultra-talented, extremely underrated, Played in the SEC, which, you know, me and Dugo will constantly reference throughout the show as to, you know, the kinds of competition these guys are playing. But if I'm looking at Jonathan Mingo, you said it before, but A.J. Brown 2.0 is probably the best comparison for him. He's someone who's physically imposing. Um, I think he's faster than people give him credit for. I think that he's physical. Mm -hmm. He has the yards after the catch ability, which is what you like to see, especially in, you know, those fantasy relevant quarter or wide receivers. Yep. And uh, Jonathan Mingo is someone that I love. And, you know, as we get closer to the draft, we start to hear more and more buzz about this guy maybe going in the second round of the NFL draft. Right. So, I mean, he's someone that I think has a really bright future uh, in terms of fantasy. Once again, I think he could probably be a wide receiver three if you play in 10-team leagues. And um, I think he has a bright future moving ahead. And I want to talk about Charlie Jones, Dugo. Dog, I absolutely love this guy. And, I mean... 
You guys are probably a player hater. Yeah, he's a white guy. He's a wide receiver. Oh, why, why, why does Dugo love him? Well, oh shit, you call him Alec Pierce. Hey, bro. He, honestly, <laughs> he's smaller than Alec Pierce. He's smaller than Alec Pierce. I feel like this guy gives me more like Julian Edelman type vibes. Damn near. Okay. I mean, he's six foot, but he runs a four four. He's very agile. I like him, dude. Like, he was the playmaker at Iowa for the longest time, and then he transferred to Purdue this year and absolutely ran the track. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy was an absolute beast. If you want to pull up his 2022 season, season, I believe he had over 100 receptions, and he absolutely just, like I said, ran the track at Purdue. I mean, tell me what more you want from a guy, Jahai. Yeah, he had 110 receptions last year. Over 1,300 yards at Purdue. He had 12 touchdowns. He averaged around 12 yards per reception last year. Um, and he was extremely productive. And mind you, so the Big Ten is uh, broken up into two conferences or two divisions, basically. One being the East, one being the West. In the East, you have schools like Purdue, Michigan, Ohio State, Indiana, you know, like some schools that are typically top dogs Yep. that this guy played against this year, and he absolutely ran the track and put up those numbers, folks. So yeah. what I'm saying is that this guy, in a team that didn't have much star power at all, he went there and one year absolutely ran the track. Jahia said he had over 1,300 yards receiving, and he did his shit. Mm-hmm. I think that this guy right now is flying so under the radar that you're able to get this guy probably in the fifth round, I'm assuming, maybe fourth round. I'm not sure exactly where his ADP is. Mm-hmm. But if you need a wide receiver that you can just throw on your you know, your taxi for a year or so while he just gets adjusted to the NFL, it's this guy with Charlie Jones. So a quick brief on Charlie Jones in the case that you guys may not be too familiar Uh, Charlie Jones started his college football career at the University of Buffalo. Wasn't really all that productive. He was more so a special teams guy. Charlie Jones transferred to Iowa for two years. But in his first year at Iowa, he had to sit out uh, just due to the transfer rules. Uh, Ultimately, he ended up transferring to Purdue around his senior year. And he immediately became, you know, wide receiver one. uh, Right there with quarterback Aiden O'Connell, who was a quarterback at Purdue. Jones, once again, had that crazy year last year in which he caught 110 passes, over 1,300 yards, and 12 touchdowns. But during his time in Purdue, he was mostly utilized in the quick passing game. So we're talking slants. We're talking crosser routes. uh, We're talking in and out breaking routes. He is, and funny enough, I said Alec Pierce, but he's really savvy in his game. I mean, bro, like when you look at the end of the day, when you're crossing up defensive backs like that, at the caliber that he's playing on a week-to-week basis, it just doesn't make sense why he's flying so under the radar. I understand he's been to place to place, and, you know, maybe he might have some character issues that we don't know about. We don't know. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I like him as a prospect. I mean, when he puts up those types of numbers, and he wasn't a slouch at Iowa either. Not at all. Like, I mean, I was a run for school, and he still put up really good numbers. So I like Charlie Jones. I really yeah. do. I'm excited to see where he lands. Because if he can land somewhere where it's going to be uh, past first place or shit, even if he's able to work out to play action, I, mm-hmm. I, I just feel like Charlie Jones is that type of guy with that 4-4 speed yeah. who is able to break away from defenders and make them look silly. Charlie Jones is six foot. 
He's 188 pounds, and I think he could work outside as well. So he's someone who could step into like a X or a, or maybe like a Z roll. Dude, that's what I like about him. Like he has the size where he could work anywhere, mm-hmm. and I mean he has that four four speed where it allows him to do the same as well. Yep. Uh, so moving off a of wide receiver, I want to talk about a running back. All right, what you got for me, Joe? Okay. I want to talk about Jordan Howard 2.0 in this draft. Who? I'm talking about Muhammad Ibrahim. Okay, what's going on with him? I really like him, by the way. Out of Minnesota. Other, other than a couple ACL tears, I absolutely love this cat. Super under the radar. I think that Muhammad Ibrahim is somebody who has not been getting a ton of attention. As you know, I'm the fucking metric guy. Uh, he comes in at 5'8", 203, 4'5", 240. Uh, BMI of 30.9, so it's above that 30.0 mark that we like to see. Yep. He came in with an 82 rushing grade out of 100. Uh, so in terms of where that places amongst the class, that's, you know, pretty average. Yep. Uh, speed score is something that I talked about in the Izzy Abanaconda video. Uh, he had a speed score of 97.2. Uh, but at Minnesota, he was serviceable. He was somebody who, you know, could oh, break. Oh, this guy was more than serviceable, dude. Honestly, like, I'm sorry, but, like, let's, let's, look, about, let's look at the film for a second. As a Wisconsin fan... I absolutely dreaded playing Minnesota most years, the last couple, because I knew that we had to play Muhammad Ibrahim. Yeah. It absolutely sucked, dude. This guy was an absolute workhorse. And last year, not, not this right. year, but the year before, when he was injured, I was absolutely happy as fuck. Mm-hmm. But this year when he was actually healthy, back at it after his ACL tear, he rushed for 1,625 yards 20 touchdowns, and he ran in a uh, 5.2 clip. Mm-hmm. So yards per carry, 5.2. Yo, you get he this guy. He averaged the first down on two carries a game. I just, I don't know how much more you can get productive. Yeah. And, I mean, he's doing that after an ACL tear, so he's showing you that he's still productive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this guy might have tore his ACL twice. But you know what? That didn't stop Frank Gore from having a successful career. And I'm not saying that this guy is Frank Gore by any means. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he's able to at least be persistent enough and persevere through what he's gone through so far, I mean, he's still going through the whole NFL thing. So I think he's going to land somewhere. And, I mean, if he lands somewhere like the Packers where in a year where the running back room might be cleared, mm-hmm. I I wouldn't – I mean, he might be a running back one or a running back two, you know. Like, this guy could just squeeze on somewhere. Yeah. I mean, he's built – like physically low to he, the ground. Yeah, he's like five eight. Like it's two, like tackling a tree stump. It is. Um, and he's someone. I mean, he with being a little bit shorter than normal. Uh, he's a short strider, I guess, as a runner. So he kind of needs to do a little bit more to gain those excessive uh, longer runs. But yeah, I mean, but what a, I think helps with those shorter strides was he's able to. He, he gets he, yards after contact. Well, he does that, but he's also really elusive, and he cuts really well. Mm-hmm. Like, when he takes those steps, like, those steps in between, like, when he's trying to cut aren't as short when he's trying to run out in space, if that makes sense. No, it makes sense. I think he's a runner that I would like to see him in a gap scheme. Right. In which he's not having to run, you know, like, and cut a corner at the edge of the line. Yeah, if they're able to open up holes for this guy rather than him having to try to wait for a hole or something yeah. like that, it would make him a lot more effective. You're not wrong. He's a four five two forty guy, so I would like to see him in an offense in which, you know what I'm saying, like, he's just attacking gaps. Obviously, the Cincinnati Bengals have become an offense that 
everybody wants to see their favorite running back go to. Uh, Muhammad Ibrahim, I think, could be a good fit there. I think he could be a pretty damn near uh, halfway decent fit on a team like the Chargers as their rushing back. Right. Well, um, I mean, at the same, well, I mean, if they were to match him up with Isaiah Spiller, it wouldn't be a terrible thing because I feel like Isaiah, if I'm not wrong, he was more of a receiving back out of Texas A&M, right? He could kind of do both. I would say. I felt like he was a lesser runner. Like, I felt like he was more of a pass catcher, if I'm not mistaken. How do you feel about Deuce Vaughn out of Kansas State as a running back? Bro, as a profile, I absolutely love him. But when I get down to the nitty-gritty of it, and I see the 5-6 frame on film, it gives me kind of the heebie-jeebies. I'm going to ask you a question, but before we completely leave Muhammad Ibrahim. Okay, what's up? Uh, where do you have Muhammad Ibrahim ceiling as a fantasy running back? So I think at the end of the day, I mean, I think that this guy, and end of the day, could probably be like a running back three, all in all. Okay. In a couple of years, I think that this guy could get into a established role. Mm-hmm. I mean, 5'8", yeah, it's a little short. And, yes, he's gone through a couple injuries, which suck. Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, when you look at this guy, I mean, he's been able to persevere. He's been able to show strength and resilience, which NFL scouts absolutely love. Yeah, They also hate injuries, which he's also gone through. But mm-hmm. they love resilience. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why Muhammad's probably going to go a little bit later. But running backs go late regardless. Yep. So as long as he's able to make a team and go out there and show what he has, I think he's going to make the team. And, yo, running backs get injured, guys. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. So if this guy is able to get a couple touches this year and is able to go show what he has, I think that it's going to lead to good things. Mm -hmm. See, like, and with Muhammad... I know I called him Jordan Howard at the beginning of the cast or at the beginning of this segment, mm-hmm. uh, but he's, in all honesty, a lot shorter than Jordan Howard. I think Jordan Howard is six foot. Muhammad is five eight, uh, so he's about you know four to five inches shorter. And then as far as weight, I mean, Muhammad I think is two o three. Jordan was around uh, closer to like two fifteen, two twenty ish. So in terms of size, I mean. I don't think they're as comparable. Right. Uh, but regardless. I'm I a, feel like scheme fit, though. I mean, they're I think about scheme the same. fit and production-wise, you could expect Muhammad Ibrahim to be like a Jordan wasn't the Jordan wasn't years. the fastest, but I think Jordan yeah. might have had a little bit better catching upside. But nonetheless, I feel like at the end of the day, I mean, it's still a decent comparison. I mean, there's some misses and some hits, but nonetheless. Do you think Deuce Vaughn could ever be a starting fantasy running back? Potentially, I mean, it, it's going to be one of those things where, at the end of the day, if he ends up getting worked into a scheme where you know he's going to be like getting like some jet sweeps or he's going to be like getting secured touches, mm-hmm. yes. I mean, obviously, that, that's it. That's definitely uh, one of the fulfillments for all fantasy running backs. So, so I mean. It all depends on his landing spot, honestly. Like, at the end of the day, if this guy is not going to go somewhere where he's going to get guaranteed touches and he's going to sit somewhere, I probably don't want a guy who's 5'6 sitting on my bench, let alone my taxi. I mean, I think I have all the hope in this world, in the world, that this guy turns out being the next Darren Sproles. But, I mean, he doesn't run, at least to my knowledge, the same 4'3 that Darren Sproles did. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I like the guy. I think he's a good pass catcher. I think that he can do some special things. But at the end of the day, 
I wouldn't doubt if this guy just ends up being a next special teams guy, in my opinion. Yeah, I think my issue with him is the same thing. Like, I don't know if I believe in the size. And with the size also comes pass protection, which as, you know, many of you, you know, who have been playing fantasy for a few years, you know how valuable that is uh, towards getting on the field, right? Like, I think that he's a guy who's fairly easy for linebackers to come through and just blow up and pass protection. Right. I mean, if we look at the game against Alabama that they had, I believe at the Sugar Bowl, I'm not sure if that's accurate as far as the bowl title. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, he had one really big rush where he scored a touchdown and he outran the whole Alabama defense. So, we got to give him at least some credit on speed. I mean, he's fast and he's able to do that. I mean, when you're doing that, you're running out Will Anderson – End of the day, this guy, I don't know if he's going to be an absolute starter. If if I have a bunch of fifth-round picks, I'm probably going to pick this guy up. I would because, take him in the fifth round, yeah. But, of a 10-team. Yeah, know, but I'm probably not going to try to reach any higher, if I'm going to be honest. I mean, 10-team, one quarterback league, I'm taking Deuce Vaughn, yeah, in the fifth. Yeah, I mean, it just it's hard to do anything else, really. Mm-hmm. I mean. I think he's like yeah. a third-down back type of guy. Yeah, I mean, and even with what you said about his pass blocking abilities, I mean, at five six, it's just hard to say that he's gonna be it's the guy to sit in the pocket with the quarterback. Like keeping him in on first and second down, in which you want to be versatile, in which you might want to throw the ball. Um, on third down, you bring him in the game, and like, okay, he adds a little bit of spice, a little bit of versatility. Uh, he's kind of like that question mark who could potentially run out of the backfield. He could take it out of the backfield. He could catch it. Whatever. And that's kind of my thing with Deuce is, like, he tests well in everything, I guess, you would want to test him for. Pass protection is my main concern with him. I don't think he's going to be able to stay in the game during first and second. I love his skill set, but I feel as if he won't ever get the volume to make him, like, a top-end fantasy running back. That's fair. Um, But he's, he's a great guy if you can get him in the fifth. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I think at the end of the day, like, if this guy were to fall into a position where he's about to get, like, into, like, a number two back roll or something, I might spend some fab to get him. Uh-huh. Uh, like, if I'm struggling for, like, a running back or if I think he has some higher upside within, like, a situation. But yeah. at the end of the day, I'm kind of in the same boat where I'm all right seeing this guy kind of slide. For the guys who need tight ends, uh, how do you feel about Will Mallory? I like him as a receiving upside guy. I really do. I think right now, uh, when you look at what he was able to do at the combine, I thought that he was really smooth uh, with his forty. I believe it was one of the top ones within the wide receiver cl- or within the tight end class, and I believe that he was one of the best pass catchers out of Miami as well. I mean, he had a couple of years of where he was probably one of the leading receivers there, and he was definitely one of the better athletes, if you might ask me personally. I think that this guy definitely has the ability to be one of those guys that is probably one of the more pure receiving tight ends. So when you're looking at like maybe a Dawson Knox type beat, you know, something like that, like I don't really see Dawson Knox in the trenches getting into the nitty gritty all too often. I think that's kind of this kind of guy. I think that with his speed though, it's just speed and size is his game and he does it well. So if you get him into like a slot position where he's able to run some slants, he's going to get you touchdowns. What do you see a ceiling as in fantasy? I think that this guy has, I mean, let's say top 20 uh, tight end uh, potential, definitely. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, once his career gets off, I, obviously we always have like a two to three year window for tight ends before they get fully developed. But I think that this guy definitely could be one of those guys, like I said, that's a little bit more accelerated because of his receiving ability. So, What's a team that you would like to see him land on? So, I mean, if I'm looking for some possibilities, I would like to see him probably like on the Chargers. I think that they're lacking some talent at uh, tight ends. Uh, I could also see him falling possibly like the Packers. Uh, just because they run a lot of play action, and this guy runs a lot of those like dig routes where yep. you go up like five, ten yards, and then you just break to the corner or yep. you break to the sideline. Um, I, I I think that's kind of like what this guy specializes with. So uh, if you can, can give him those routes, or if you can get him on a wheel or anything like that, where like you can give him some sort of mobility to break into. You know, because this guy is usually covered by linebackers or safeties who I think this guy might be more athletic against. I think he's just able to get some of those, uh, you know, like quick twitch routes where he's able to, uh, you know, utilize his athleticism. I'm a little hesitant because of this side, but I think that this guy definitely could fill out to be a good tight end. I like it. That's Will Mallory for you. And uh, we appreciate you guys for tapping in with us for another episode. We are getting even closer to the NFL draft. My name is Ja. Hey, it's Dugo over here. Appreciate y'all tapping in. Talk to you next week, baby. I'm in ATL. Clink Capella and Young Trey with me. Spent my first advance in Linux. Haven't been back in a minute. Love me because I'm so authentic. Mitch McConnell still in Senate. Ocean rising by the minute. Just like us, we can't.